the Easter story. The Easter story usually begins in, for instance, Matthew chapter 26. Most musicals, most dramas begin in Luke chapter 23. Somewhere uh, in one of the Gospels, like Mark chapter 15 and 16, this Easter musical, this Easter presentation this morning doesn't take you to necessarily one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This presentation this morning will take you to Acts chapter 12. It'll take you into prison where Peter was locked up in jail. You ever walked through a prison? Ever walked through a jail? I have. I was on a field trip as a kid in school, and our teachers, I guess, wanted to scare us. Took us on a walk through the county jail, and the sheriff took us through a part that was completely vacant because they did not want to scare us that bad and have us see somebody that was, you know, a, a, a cell mate, a convict in jail. But we turned the corner and the sheriff didn't know that one cell was occupied. And I can still remember to this day the man looking so depressed and so forlorn and forsaken, and he looked up at us kids and said, Hi, kids. This is where you end up when you're a bad boy. <laughs> Prison. Jail. A penitentiary. Listen. The jail cells of today don't just have bars. Some are self-made prisons. Today, look what God does with physical prisons. Look what He does with spiritual jails and bondages and bars. Today, we present to you a presentation for Easter from the eyes through the eyes and through the words of St. Peter the Apostle as he's locked up in jail. Today, Lakeside Assembly of God is proud to present to you on this Easter, you alone can rescue.
get this one. Guarding this pathetic Christian. Can't wait till this guy gets executed. And you're next. First thing in the morning, King Herod says, first thing in the morning, off with your head. Just like your friend James. Get in here. You think after this one's dead, the priest will be happy? They'll never be happy. Not until every one of those Christians is dead. They may be a little late. There's a lot of them out there. You know, orders say that he's supposed to be guarded by a whole squadron? And that he's to be chained between two guards? There's got to be a mistake. He doesn't look that dangerous. You got that right. You, want, you know what? We better check these orders over. Let's go. What'd you do? What's your story? What's my story? What's my story? I'll tell you a story that'll change your life. Just like it changed mine. Have you heard about Jesus of Nazareth? Sure. Everybody heard about him. He's some type of carpenter. Some say he was even a prophet. He was more than a prophet. He was, he is the son of God. Son of God. I don't know about that, but the whole countryside was in uproar. Nobody won't even stop talking about him. So, were you one of his followers? Huh? Were you? Yes! Yes, I was! I am! But before that, I was a fisherman. Well, my brother Andrew, he believed that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. The future king of Israel who, who would set us free from Rome. The redeemer sent by God. Oh, I remember the day I met Jesus. He said to me, come and I will make you a fisher of men. There was something about the way he said that. I had to find out what he meant. So I left my boat, left my nets, and I followed him. After spending just a, a short time with Jesus, watching the things that he did and listening to the things that he said, I came to believe that not only was he the Messiah, but he was the Christ, the Son of God. Well, as I, as I followed him, as I, as I went on more, I knew, I knew there was something different about him in my heart. Have you ever heard of something called grace? Grace? I don't think so. Grace means the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. Jesus was sent by our loving Father God to rescue us from the weight of sin and guilt, to, to break the hold that sin had on us, and to deliver us from the chains of death. He rescued me. I didn't deserve to be rescued. I didn't deserve to be forgiven. But he rescued me not just from, not just from the prison of sin, but from the prison of self. And 
from the prison of my pride, from the prison of who I was and what I pretended to be. I was a sinner. He forgave me of all of my mistakes, of all of my sins. And then he gave me a second chance, a chance to start over, all because of his grace, his amazing grace. Thank you. 
was with him that last week. He rode into Jerusalem that Sunday before Passover, and the streets were lined with thousands of people waving palm branches and, and shouting, Hosanna and Son of David. Oh, me and the others were so excited. We thought certain that, that it was the time that he would finally be crowned king. Oh, we were so excited. Little did we know that he was riding toward his death. We were so blinded, so naive. Even though the 12 of us had been following and following him and listening to him for over three years, we didn't understand anything. That last week, he, he also spent time with the people in the temple, teaching them and, and healing them. He also debated the, the Pharisees and the high priest who couldn't stand him because he was too popular with the people. They were afraid that they would lose their power. What they really hated was that he could see right through them. He could see right through their false righteousness and, and see their, their pride and their hypocrisy. And they hated him because he knew the truth about them. He knew about their motives and, and who they really were deep down in their souls. So they plotted and they schemed to find out a plan, a, a way to get rid of him permanently. Who does he think he is? Riding into town like he owned the place. Did you hear what the people were calling him? Son of David, Messiah. He's no Messiah. He's a blasphemer. He made fools of us in the temple. <laughs> and the people loved him for doing so. Look, we're losing control. We can't let this go on. Pretty soon, everybody will be following him. And then the Romans, they'll come in. They'll take our position. They'll take our place. Perhaps we could run him out of the city before Passover gets underway. And how do you propose to do that? How do you take a man who has hundreds, possibly thousands of followers, and simply run him out of the city? It's not that simple. You simply don't chase a man like Jesus away. He will return and our problems will return with him. The solution must be permanent. Yes, I agree. We don't need some foolish rabble-rouser stirring up the people and bringing the attention of Rome on us. Better for one man to die than for a whole nation to perish. We need a reason, a plausible reason, to have Jesus arrested. More important, this must take place somewhere private, away from the eyes and ears of his adoring public. Sounds like you've got a plan. 
I think I do. <laughs> You're gonna love this. Gentlemen, I would like you to meet Judas Iscariot. He's a disciple of Jesus. And he has agreed for a price to turn his master over to us in an out-of-the-way place. Now, all we need are some convincing witnesses and a little help from our friend Pontius Pilate. If all goes well, we should have this Jesus of Nazareth tried, convicted, and executed before the Passover begins. Excellent plan! Simply excellent! <laughs> Before long, everyone will forget about this. Jesus of Nazareth! And, and things <clears throat> can get back to normal. And after a few months, they won't remember he even existed. They won't even remember his name! Now, you two, start gathering some witnesses and spread the word to the other priests and council members. And while you're at it, spread a little of this around too. <laughs> Simply an excellent plan. <laughs> excellent. Somebody pay the man. excited, so hopeful, waiting for something to happen, waiting for Jesus to just give the word. But all too soon, it was over. The Hosannas were silenced. The crowds disappeared. And we were left wondering what had happened. That Thursday evening, we all gathered together to celebrate the Passover. Well, on that evening, the last night together, he taught us so much. Much of it was unclear to me, though. I, I didn't understand, but I couldn't admit that. I couldn't let anyone know that. I, I was so boastful, so proud, so sure of myself so wrong about so many things and then in the middle of the dinner Jesus got up from the table and wrapped a towel around his waist and he got a basin of water and, and like a servant he got down on his knees before each and every one of us and he washed our feet he showed us that you're never too great to be a servant, to serve others. What I remember, what I remember the most, beyond the shadow of a doubt, how much he loved us, how much he loved me, even though 
He knew what was going to happen that night. He knew what I was going to do.
one of you will betray me. It can't be me. What is he saying? This can't be, Lord. Who among us would betray you? It is the one who dips his hand in the dish with me. What you must do, do quickly. Tonight, all of you will desert me. I'll never desert you, Master. No matter what the others do. Peter, I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows at dawn, you will deny me three times, even claiming that you don't even know me. No! I'll never deny you, Lord! I would die for you! Peter, Satan wants you, but I have prayed for you that your faith would not completely fail you. And when you have repented and returned to me, strengthen and build up the faith of your brothers. This is my body, which is broken for you, each, all of it. This cup is my blood poured out to save you, sealing the new agreement between God and man. Each of you, drink it.
For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I come again. You give the healing and grace. 
dinner we went to a nearby garden and Jesus pleaded with us to stay awake and pray with him then he went off to pray by himself I was so tired I couldn't keep my eyes open I kept nodding off and then finally I just fell asleep the next thing I knew there there were soldiers in the garden arresting Jesus and and even though I just boasted I was ready to die for him, I, I ran off. And I abandoned him. Just like everyone else. Just like Jesus had predicted. Oh, they took him to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest, where they'd gathered together the elders and, and the chief priests for an illegal trial. I followed from a distance and I watched from a courtyard. I wanted to see what was going to happen, but I didn't want to get too close. I was so afraid. As I was standing by the, the fire warming myself, a little servant girl approached me. mistaken. I'm sure I saw you with Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. I think you're one of his disciples. No. Leave me alone. I don't know the man.
They continued asking questions and tormenting him through the night. They insulted him. They falsely accused him. They twisted his words. They spat in his face. Then they struck him with their fists. And finally, finally in the early hours of the morning, they asked the right question. And they got the answer that they had been waiting for. If I tell you, you will not believe me. In the name of the living God, are you the Son of God? You say that. I am. Blasphemy! He is guilty! He must die! You are no prophet. You are merely an insurrectionist, an extremist, a terrorist. Your own words have condemned you. I will personally see to it that Pilate has you executed. Guards! Take him to Pilate. governor and they demanded his execution oh, Pilate questioned him and he, he attempted to release Jesus but the crowd had been worked up into a frenzy and they demanded the death of Jesus to appease the crowd Pilate had him scourged but the crowd demanded more so Pilate ordered him to be crucified and he washed his hands of him Jesus went to the cross with my denial and my execution or my with my denial and my desertion ringing in his ears he would be executed I will ask myself forever if that added his grief and his pain. I watched it all unfolding from a distance. And there was absolutely nothing I could do. There was nothing I could do to ease his suffering or to shield him from his shame or the taunts of the crowd. There was nothing I could do to stop it from happening. There was nothing I could do to make it just be over. 
just be over. <laughs> Do
seemed like death had the last word. Nothing was left but aching disappointment, overwhelming grief, and a despairing, broken heart. Hope was only a dim memory. I hid in the shadows, afraid. I kept praying that it was all just a bad dream. But I knew the reality was that he was dead. I kept remembering, remembering, telling him, you are the Christ. Remembering that I had told him, I would die for you. Remembering that I had abandoned him. They arrested him in the garden. And remembering shouting, I don't know the man. And running away from a little girl. I was so ashamed I wanted to die. Jesus had called me the rock, but I was no rock. I was just a crumbled piece of sandstone. Jesus had said that those who believe in him would never die. Yet he was dead. And in that cold, dark tomb, Jesus had said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And now truth had been buried in a tomb. And I lost my way. And life was no longer bearable without him.
they could not. Will you say that with me this morning? They could not. One more time. They could not. Say it like a preacher. They could not. Rome couldn't convict him. The grave could not contain him. The devils and the demons of hell, they could not conquer him. He is the unconquerable Christ. Hallelujah. They could not. Jesus said, the thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. For Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me will never die. Never die. You'll be hard put to find anywhere in the New Testament where it says that Christians die. What you will read is that Christians, when they die, they fall asleep. Death for the Christian is completely, radically different when it comes to death for the unbeliever. Death for the Christian is like walking through a doorway. Death for the Christian does not have the horror, it does not have the nightmare that death has for the unbeliever. For the saint, for the Christ follower, for the Christian, your last breath here is your first breath of heaven's sweet air. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Why? Because He's alive. Because He lives. You and I can really live. Because He lives. We can say, for me to live is Christ. And to die? To die is gain. There it is. There it is. They could not. He remains the unconquerable Christ. But perhaps, perhaps you've tried to conquer Him. Perhaps you've said to Him in one way or another, hands off my thought life. Hands off of what I see. Hands off my relationships. Jesus, hands off of my activities. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. Perhaps you've tried to conquer Jesus by your thoughts, your words, your actions. But He keeps coming, doesn't He? He keeps coming to your heart's door and knocking upon it. For Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If anyone will hear my voice, I will come in unto them and fellowship with them and know them and they shall know me. Isn't it about time you say yes to Jesus? Isn't it about time this Easter you try Jesus? I had the opportunity to ask a question of a young man recently. 
I said, what are you going to do uh, after you graduate from college? He said, oh, I'm going to get a, a job, a career. I said, what are you going to do after that? He said, I plan on getting married. I plan on getting hitched. And I asked, well, what are you going to do after that? He says, I guess we're going to have some kids. We're going to have some children. I, I want to have a family. I said, well, what are you going to do after that? Well, I hope to work really hard and make loads of money. I, I want to be successful. I said, well, what are you going to do after that? He said, well, I guess I'll retire. Be a grandparent. Have grandkids. I said, I asked the question, what are you going to do after that? He said, I'm going to die. Then I said, what are you going to do after that? Sir, ma'am, young person, heaven is real. Hell is real. A lot of churches today won't tell you that. And eternity is just a breath away. And I told that young man, you can't count on tomorrow. Nobody knows about tomorrow. You can't count on your next heartbeat or your next breath. There's only one who knows about tomorrow. And you can hold his hand. Jesus has done all he could do. Jesus has died upon the cross for you. And every drop of blood cries out to you today, I love you. I don't condemn you. I don't judge you. I love you. I'm here to forgive you. I'm here to give you new life. Only when you're prepared to die are you really prepared to live. Jesus takes the fear of death out of the equation. How about it? Isn't it about time you stop trying to conquer Jesus? He remains the unconquerable Christ. Isn't it about time you open the door of your heart and say, Jesus, come on inside. You see, he's too much of a gentleman to force his way in. You have to open up the door. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Close your eyes as the house lights come up very gradually. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we're thankful for the glad presentation of this choir, the drama this morning. But right now, right now, at this moment, you're knocking upon hearts' doors. You're calling. You know us better than we know ourselves. Come, Holy Spirit. Knock. Call. Invite us to know Jesus. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And this morning, I'm prepared to pray what we call the prayer of salvation. This prayer, the prayer of salvation, will make you right with God. This prayer, the prayer of salvation, if you will include yourself in it, will give you a home in heaven a changed life in the here and now and a changed life in the hereafter. 
How about it? Maybe you're here this morning. Mom and dad invited you. A, a friend invited you. Somebody brought you here to church on Easter. And how about it? Jesus is asking. Will you open the door of your heart and let Him in? If you're not sure you're right with God and you want to be sure, if you're not sure you have a home in heaven and you want to know that you do for a certainty, would you include yourself in this prayer? If you'd like to be included in this prayer that'll change your life in the here and now and for all eternity, just lift up your hand right now as a sign of your faith. This is not about church membership. This is all about joining Jesus. Not joining this church. It's joining Jesus. How many are here this morning? And, and you would say, Pastor, Pastor, would you include me in your prayer? I'm not sure I'm right with God and I want to be sure. I want to have a home in heaven. Just lift up your hand right now so that I can see it. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. God bless you. Yes. How about in the balcony? How many of you want to be included in this prayer of salvation on this Easter Sunday? Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. God bless you. Keep holding those hands up. Heaven sees those hands. Jesus sees those hands reaching out to him. Hallelujah. How many? How many up in the balcony to my left? You would lift up your hand and say, include me in your prayer, pastor. Yes, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. I see those hands lifted up high right now as we pray. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me as I pray, especially you that have lifted up your hands. Put your heart into what you're about to pray. Really mean it. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now just as I am. I confess I've sinned. I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sins. You alone can rescue me. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. A changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for changing me, for giving me a home in heaven. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. You may put those hands down. Let's give the glory to Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, if you raised your hand and prayed that prayer, from heaven's perspective, you are brand new. You're born again. You're a child of God. The old has passed away. The new has come. You're on your way to heaven. Praise God. But the Bible says that when anyone first comes to Jesus, that they're just like a little baby. 
The Bible actually uses the term a baby in Christ Jesus. That's where the church comes in. If you have a church home, tell your pastor about your commitment to Jesus this morning. If you don't have your church home, guess who would like to be your church home? Guess who would like to be your pastor? We would. I would. Amen. Lakeside family members, perhaps someone right next to you this morning lifted up their hand and prayed that prayer. If you have an inkling that they did, or if you're unsure that your friend or family member is not right with God, would you do this for me? Would you walk them down here to the front after the service? The elders, the deacons will be up here. The pastors will be up here. We have a free gift. It's a starter's kit on how to begin your new life in Jesus Christ. Amen. Dozens of hands were lifted up for Jesus this morning. Let's give all the glory to God as the finale comes. Praise the Lord. The finale of you alone can rescue. to the tomb and she found it empty she came back and she told John and I and we raced to the tomb and we found the grave cloths but Jesus wasn't there he had risen from the dead just like he had predicted ah how long can I stand listening to this Jesus died on that cross Dead people stay dead. As you're going to find out tomorrow when Karen kills you. Look, I'm telling you, I saw Jesus with my own eyes, alive. I talked with him. I ate breakfast with him. I saw the holes in his hands and in his side. <laughs> and they said, I'm the crazy one. What do you expect? Jesus to come down, open up this door, and take these chains off of us? You're crazy! <laughs> Go ahead and laugh. Look, I've been trying to tell you that the cross was the Father's rescue plan. On that cross, Jesus poured out everything he had and, and everything he was for you and for me. He suffered so we could live. He endured shame so we could be forgiven. And when, when we had no power over sin, Jesus conquered sin. And when we deserved punishment, Jesus paid our debt. On the cross, Jesus rescued us. Not from shackles and chains, but he rescued us from, from chains of sin 
and eternal death. The cross was not a place of defeat, but the cross was a place of victory. That day, a sacrifice was made that broke every stronghold, broke every chain, broke open every prison cell, and set every captive free. Because of the cross, because of the cross, you and I can live a life of constant and complete victory. These chains, these chains can't bind me. I believe I've been set free of this prison cell. It can't hold me. I've been set free. When Jesus walked out of that tomb, he set me free. I'm free. And even if Herod, even if Pilate kills me tomorrow, I don't care, because I'm free. I'm free forever.
Amen. He is worthy of all the blessing, the honor, the praise, the glory. Hallelujah. He remains the unconquerable Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. 